Have you ever gotten to a place in life where you find yourself asking, what now? That's right, what now? Circumstances and situations have happened. You feel as if you've been hit from the left and the right. You feel as if nothing that you do ends up working out the way that you desire for it to work out. And you just don't know what you need to do right now. The reality is we've all been there. And sometimes we've been there without the tools, techniques, and strategies to help us make effective decisions to produce the future that we desire. You don't have to do this alone anymore. I invite you to listen to my podcast. That's right. My name is Clifton Pettyjohn. I'm a purpose strategist, author, transformation coach, and spiritual leader. And I host the What Now podcast. And the What Now podcast is simply conversations that teach us how to effectively face life's most difficult moments. That's right, life's most difficult moments. So if you're interested in hearing the podcast, I encourage you to visit my website, www.cliftonpettyjohn.com. Again, www.cliftonpettyjohn.com. There, there's a tab for the podcast, and you can pick your favorite platform. We're available on multiple platforms, so you can pick your favorite platform, pick the platform, subscribe to the podcast, listen, 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 comment, 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 and share, 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 all right? So I encourage you, again, make sure that you are listening to the What Now Podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Clifton Pettyjohn, and you are listening to Transformation Radio, where we transform lives through purposeful conversations. up everybody welcome back or welcome to transformation radio my name is clifton petty john i'm a purpose strategist author transformation coach and spiritual leader i provide tools and strategies to transition you from merely existing to living a life full of purpose yes full of purpose you might ask am i talking to you let's do this exercise really quick breathe in hold it breathe out Breathe in, hold it, breathe out. If you were able to participate in that exercise, that means that there's breath yet left in your body. Therefore, purpose remains. Purpose remains. There's purpose inside each and every one of you. I welcome you again to Transformation Radio where we 
have purposeful conversations regardless of how uncomfortable and unpopular those conversations are. Just a little update. Uh, we had our last show. Uh, our guest was Harrison Harrison Domerkent. He is the real estate agent uh, located here in uh, Dover, Delaware. He's licensed in Delaware and Maryland. There were some technical issues, so he's going to be back on August 21st to redo the show so that we can get that content out. He let everybody know a lot about uh, things going on with the real with real estate and property and selling and buy all of those great things. He addressed some of the myths that are out there. So I wanted him to come back so he can be a part of the show. However, tonight we have an amazing guest, y'all. I'm telling you now, we are in for a treat on tonight. Now, listen, you already know I open up the phone lines throughout the entire show. That's right. I want you to be a part of the conversation. That doesn't mean, excuse me, I want you to be a part of the conversation. And with that said, I want each and every one of us to understand that each guest that we have, and myself, we all, and you listening, we come from diverse backgrounds and belief systems. Therefore, everything that's said on this show, you are not going to agree with. And guess what? That's okay. I even invite you on to discuss some of the things that you disagree with. However, that's where I want you to hear me, those calling in. However, when you call in to express your disagreement, you must do so in a respectful manner. Why? Because I believe that it is our, our diversity, our, our ability to embrace each other's diversity that helps us grow, learn, develop, and even produce generations that are better for the world that we are in right now, all right? So the call-in number is 516-387-1756. Again, the call-in number is 516 387 one seven five six. Please remember, I don't know if I said it, but if you do call in and you are disrespectful in any manner, I'm going to have to hit that X. But we haven't had to do it yet, and I believe tonight's going to be a, another night that we're not going to have to do it because I believe everybody is out there. <clears throat> excuse me, is out there listening, ready to grow, and ready to be a greater version of who they were created and designed to be. All right, so now, without further ado, or further ado, I want each and every one of you standing up all over the building, now I'm playing, I want each and every one of you to help me welcome tonight's guest. Uh, there's so many words that could describe him. Uh, I'm going to use uh, one word to describe, to describe him right now, and that would be a metaphorologist. All right, he is a metaphorologist. Throughout the conversation, we'll begin to explain exactly what a metaphorologist is, but I want you to help me welcome to the show Michael Andrew. Mike, how are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. Awesome. Again, thank you for your willingness to be on the show. I know that many are going to hear Everything that we talk about, they're going to be able to grab it and apply it to their life and begin to produce in manners that they never dreamt of or imagined. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, uh, it's right, interesting because so. you – Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. I was going to say it's just interesting uh, being on 
uh, I know you're probably going to mention it later, but I just wanted to tell you thank you for your patience with me because uh, you tried to get me on some time ago, and I was a bit resistant. Um, and, of course, I told you where I was in that time, and I'll talk about it a little bit later. But I thank you for your patience, and I thank you for who you are. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Listen, we are going to talk about it a little bit later because I know that there are a lot of people that, that experience those moments in their lives, and I believe that the story, you're, you telling your story, can help them even through that process. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, so we start off every conversation because I don't even look at it as interviews. I believe it's conversations. Um so we start off every conversation with an icebreaker, and I use the same question for everybody. Uh, I'll probably have a new question next season, but I love this question, so I always like to ask everybody this question. If you could have one superpower, what would that superpower be and why? If I could have one superpower? Um I'd have to say the ability to disappear. Um, and the reason why <laughs> is because just by nature, I'm an introvert. And so I'm constantly, uh, I'm constantly in a space where, you know, especially now there's demand on me and professionally, you know, ministry wise, there's a demand on me. And some days I wish I could just disappear because if I disappeared, I'll have a reason for not talking uh, other than I don't want to. So, so I <laughs> okay. Now let's talk about that right there. The the introverted um, aspect of, of who you are. How do you handle that then when there is such a demand? Because there's a lot of introverts that are out there. I know that was a struggle with me for a long time because I'm a type of person. Like you said, I just I don't mind just disappearing. I'm fine. I'm fine being in the background helping push everybody else. I love doing that. Yes. Um, so how did you, as an introvert, you know, break out from that and begin to uh, experience your journey as it relates to your purpose, being in the forefront? Well, interestingly, so I'll I'll say this much: that I started off doing ministry. Uh, in church at the age of eight. And so mm -hmm. uh, the ministry that I was doing, I was doing music ministry, which is very visible. And so my entire life, mm -hmm. I've actually been very visible. And then add on top of it, I understand that I'm super charismatic. And so um, I, I get that, you know, when people, when I, when I'm talking and I'm moving around and things like that, people probably would uh, interpret me as an extrovert, but actually um, as an introvert, I say that I'm introvert because I recharge when I'm by myself. Uh, some people recharge like when they're mm -hmm. talking or when they're out, and me is when I'm by myself. Um, and so, you know, when I go into social settings, and I'm saying all this to answer your question, but when I go into social settings, uh, they actually drain me. When I get in conversations, they actually drain me. Uh, not that I don't mm -hmm. get anything out of them, not that I'm, you know, not fed from it, but physically, mentally, it's something that I have to recharge from. Um, and so the way that I manage that is I really have had to learn to protect my space. I used to feel really guilty for um, for uh, asking for my own space. I used to feel really guilty for taking my own uh, time by myself. And then I also have to say this, too. So I'm very discerning, and I always have been. And so I'm very mm -hmm. sensitive to when people will drain my energy, even if they haven't had a chance to. 
uh, right. I, I can just tell it from, and I remember when I was younger, uh, I was a kid who, you know, if I met somebody or, you know, was around somebody, I wouldn't necessarily speak to them, uh, especially if I felt like they're going to be somebody who's going to drain my energy. I just wouldn't speak. And I remember my mom and my sister would say to me, at least speak. And I'm like, nah, nah, I'm cool. I, I, you know, I'm good. But it, it's really because I understood that I, – I don't think I understood that I uh, was an introvert at the time. What I did understand is there's something about that person that I'm just not feeling. And with that mm-hmm. being said, you know, it made it a bit difficult uh, for me growing up because I looked stubborn or I looked whatever. But now that I'm in this space and I understand I'm at, you know, at a little level of maturity and self-awareness that I understand that uh, – that I charge alone, I understand that once I uh, get in the space where I need to recharge, I can just honestly say to the people around me, yo, look, I appreciate you wanting to be around me, wanting to engage with me, wanting to talk to me, but right now I need to be alone. And so for me, the management of that comes in knowing when I need to give and when it is that I need to receive, that's like a very, very important lesson for me because I've been a person, and I won't get into it just yet, but I've been a person who's overextended myself, given to the point of me being mm-hmm. empty, and then still felt guilty for not giving enough. Now, we can stay right there. We can talk. We actually can talk about that. You'll see what this conversation is. It seems like we'll be all over the place, but it all makes <laughs> sense in the end. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, because there's a lot of people out there that's dealing with that very thing uh, that you're talking about as well with overextending themselves and still feeling as if it's not enough. Uh, Can you share on on that for a little bit and then explain how you got to a place where, you know, you were able to find the balance in all of that and not carry that weight or that burden anymore as it relates to that? Um. I, I'll say that for for me, I, I was not aware that I was overextending myself. Let me be clear. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm always tired, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> well, that just comes with the job. You know, I'm like, I'm getting mm-hmm. frustrated. That's because I can't figure this out. And I always reason myself out of really coming to the truth that, no, buddy, you're overextending yourself. What overextending myself actually looked like is – you know, sometimes it looked like staying up all night to do something that I wasn't getting paid for or I wasn't reaping any benefits from. Or sometimes it looked it looked like things I was getting paid for or reaping benefits from, I'm late on. and um, Or I'm behind on or I don't deliver the product or whatever it is, you know, at 100%. And so th- what it took for me, honestly, to get to the point of being aware of the fact that I'm not <clears> – <throat> that I'm overextending myself – was me getting to a place where everything that I was doing became the question. I was so worn out. I was so, you know, as the word goes, jaded. I was so jaded to the point where I'm like, you know what, I can throw all this away. You know what, every bit of this can go. I mean, I don't. I remember in November of 20, I want to say 2015, I remember just sitting there and um, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I am done. At this point, I was pastoring I was uh you know I was married at the time I mean it was just a lot going on with me and I had just gotten to a point where like everything was just draining me everything and so I had gathered every bottle of pills that I could find um in the house I just gathered everyone I could find and I was like you know what let me just do this let me just go and I remember sitting there with the pills at hand and I said you know what 
I don't have to do this. And I wasn't mm-hmm. talking about taking the pills. <laughs> I was just talking about the mm-hmm. that I, was in. I just don't have to do this. I don't have to be here. And I think a lot of times we overextend ourselves because we get in a place of obligation. And, uh, and when we get in that place of obligation, we are very, very um, unaware and very, very deaf to, tone deaf to uh, how we should engage and how we should navigate. And so we're constantly putting ourselves in a place where people are getting from us. And, and what I've learned is that people will never say enough for you. People will never say, you know what, you know what, I see that this is where you are. And, you know, and I'm saying no one, but I'm just saying in general, people, people won't. There are people mm-hmm. who notice what you're going, but people who are reaping the benefits of you overextending yourself more than likely are not going to tell you enough because they're probably not even going to see it because also we become good at putting on face. We become good at, you know, pretending like I got uh. this, this going, you know, whatever, you know, but I stayed up all night. I haven't slept in three weeks, but you know what, you have your product, and guess what, I'm still broke. <laughs> you know, I, I stayed at the church. I stayed at the church counseling you, but then I go home and my my family is broken. Uh, you know, it, it, it's things like that. And so, for me, when I got to the point where I had gotten jaded, I gotten worn out, and realized that I didn't have to do that, I didn't have to be there. That was the very moment where I like my life completely changed and here and here's the kicker you know people think well you get to that point and then there's it feels so empowering actually no i went into a breakdown and uh, Mm -hmm. i had to make some very unpopular decisions literally to save my life without warning Mm -hmm. without without saying anything i resigned my position at the church i left my marriage i left the city i left you know my brother's band and i loved all the people and all this, but it was just like, you know what, in order for me to really get to a place where I am clear on who I am and who God is in me, I have to do something to save my life. Nobody understood it. There's people I didn't talk to for a long time, people who didn't want to deal with me for a long time. And, and, and also it put me in a space where I felt like everybody was against me. And that's the ugly truth of coming to that point. Everybody wants to get to the mm-hmm. point where they're not overseeing themselves and not doing this. But actually that comes with an ugly process um i'm still talking but mm. i'm just saying it comes with an ugly process <laughs> mm. yeah you're yeah. good you were good that, and, and no, no, that, no, is, go that is so true uh, that's why i told you no answers too long you're good you <laughs> yeah. talked about the ugly process of it all and i think that a lot of people that there are some that are fearful of the ugly process because they can start to see that it that's what's going to unfold, and then there mm-hmm. there are some that just I, I don't want the ugliness of it. I don't want to have to confront some of these things in my life. But you also showed the side that once you did that, it did become freeing. But you had to yes. go through that process. Oh yeah. Oh yes, and I'm and I'm talking about the first time it happened because I'm actually going through mm-hmm. it again right now, okay. and it happened. It's happened in phases because it's just different areas of my life, and you know, you think you get free, you think you're whole, and then you're mm-hmm. like, uh, but yo, <laughs> there's this whole other thing, and I can't even get into where I am right now because it's gonna it's gonna give away too much of what I'm sharing at the end of the month. Nonetheless. <laughs> You know, I, I'm mm. saying that to say, you know, I don't know um, if you're all, if the majority of your listeners are Bible subscribers or listen or read the Bible, or whatever. But I'm just going to uh, quote the scripture that um, it says that uh, who is speaking of Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him 
endured the cross, mm-hmm. despising the shame. See, mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't realize that we're going to have to go through a, if you will, Calvary experience. We're going to have to go through that kind of experience in order to get to joy. Not because, you know, God is mad at us or the universe is working against us, not because of that, but because in order to become who we are, because, see, we, we sometimes allow traumas and we allow life circumstances yeah. to cause us to unbecome. And so when we unbecome who we are, then the mm-hmm. process of, of becoming who we are again causes us to go through this place that most of us don't want to go through, and that's a place called shame. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that you have to be ashamed, but what shame is, you have to think about think about it in this term, like in that reference of scripture, you know, Jesus was bearing a cross, he was literally lynched, the most brutal and the most embarrassing form of death. It's not just that he died, but the way that he died, and he did it in the open, he didn't have clothes on, he did it naked. And the thing is, what I'm talking mm-hmm. about when I talk about shame is I'm talking about getting to the place where you're so willing to be vulnerable, so willing to be, you know, hypothetically, metaphorically naked and just say, yo, I don't have it. And I've been pretending I do. Yo, I'm not whole. I've been pretending that I am. Mm. And you have to get to that space. And once you get to that space where you really, where you really understand that I'm enduring this now, but on the other side of this is joy, it, re- it really does help you. You know, it sounds like cliche to think, you know, to think that, you know, just think of the, what's coming after this. But sometimes, you know, when I could not just pull myself together, I remember to a, getting to a place and I was talking to a friend and I said, you know, I don't even feel like I have purpose. Now imagine the guy who people came to for this, that, and the other, who, you know, charismatic, spiritual, uh, uh, intelligent, uh, talented, all this stuff. Everybody looked at me in these different ways. You know, I'm musically talented. I'm uh, uh, computer tech savvy. I'm, you know, all this stuff. And everybody looked at me this way. But then even with all my gifting, even with all my ability, even with all my anointing, even with all my purpose, I felt like I didn't have purpose. And it was in those, in that time, the, the joy of it was knowing, you know what, I'm going through this, but on the other side of this is joy. Here's the thing, though. Here's the caveat. The caveat is I didn't end up in that place, the place that I was in, that place of shame. I didn't end up there. And life circumstance didn't drive me there. Like I told you earlier, I made some unpopular decisions. It is when you get to the place mm-hmm. where you choose to walk that path. Jesus, no, Jesus said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. I lay it down. I chose this path. I chose this path. And see, there's no way that we're going to get to a place of wholeness. There's no place that we're going to get to a get to a space where we are, you know, different, where we are in joy, we are in truth. We're not going to get there by letting life happen to us. We have to be intentional and we have to make some decisions, even the unpopular ones. Why? Because once we make those decisions, everything that we need to be and everything that we desire to have starts aligning with that path. Well. You said a mouthful there, but I what I picked from all of that was the last part that you just said, and you wrapped it all up. 
that we have to be intentional and we have to be willing to make decisions regardless of how unpopular those decisions are. So let's mm-hmm. go back to when you were at that space and you're making those decisions, you know, for you. Um, what actually got you to that place? Like, can you identify exactly what got you to the place to realize I have to do this for me? So, so I am 32 years old. I, I'm, and I'm saying this only to draw a narrative. Uh, I'm 32 years old now. Um, I was 25, 26 years old, and I had teenagers. Mm-hmm. I was raising teenagers. Mm-hmm. I got you. I, I'm I'm saying that to say I went to a, mm. a conference in D.C. Uh, when I was 26 years old, and I'm sitting in the lobby of the hotel waiting uh, to go to the airport because my flight was later on. All the people who I was there at the conference with had left. My flight was at 8 o'clock that night. So I'm just sitting in the lobby by myself, not doing anything, just sitting there. And it just dawned on me, I'm sitting here, and there's a whole city that I could be seeing. I'm just sitting here, and there's, you know, restaurants I could be going to, sites I could be seeing, you know, and I'm just sitting here, and I had a revelation, and an epiphany even, um, and that revelation, that epiphany was that I'm 26 years old. When I realized that I was I had literally become, I had literally become a product of life, if you will, that I was on autopilot. It was that moment that really yeah. things started shifting for me. The the revelation that I was 26 years old and I was basically living the life of a thousand year old, not just mm-hmm. that, right? Because there's some people who are older who, you know, have more of a life. But I was a robot. I feel you. I was a robot. And so when I realized that I was a robot, it kind of, you know, made me feel some type of way, honestly. And here's the, here's the thing. There's so many of us that are robots and we don't know it. We think because we have feelings, we express emotions that we're not robots. But what does a robot do? A robot responds to programming. (laughs) Some of us are programmed to respond in certain ways. Some of us are programmed to, to navigate in certain ways. And without thinking, without even it being in our conscious mind, we we rehearse these narratives. We we uh, perpetuate these behaviors because we're robots. And so when I got to that space, how how did I know that I was at that space? I knew I was at that space because I said, "Yo, my life has been living itself for me." Mm. And when that happened, I I got to a space. I was like, "Okay." And th- this is a, here. And let, and let me show you how programmed that was. My first thought was. Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. What should I do? What should I do? And so I spent probably two or three weeks asking the Lord what I should do. It was a program behavior because my my church taught me that that if you get to a space where you feel like you're supposed you you know things are supposed to change or things are supposed to be different, then you ask the Lord what to do, and you don't move unless the Lord tells you to move. Uh. And so. I was asking the Lord what to do, but I was still stuck in the same place 
you know, for these three weeks, I'm not really making any changes because I'm sitting there asking the Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I'll never forget, we were, I was in Bible class. I didn't want to be there. Uh, it was like I was dreading being there. And worship was going on uh, before, you know, the, the lesson that night. And worship was going on. And all I remember, all I remember is closing my eyes. And next thing I know, I'm opening my eyes and Bible study's over. And when I, I remember, I, I, if I can explain it to you, and this probably uh, may sound like very like spooky to some people, I could literally feel myself leave the room. I felt like I was mm-hmm. floating elsewhere. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. But I just knew I wasn't there anymore. And when I came to, the only thing that I knew at that point was that the only way that my life was going to change was if I made a decision. And I went home that night, and I was trying to explain to my family what happened to me. And I said, all I can tell y'all is this. We say we've been waiting on the Lord to give us an answer, and God has been waiting for us to make a decision. Come on. And I could not, and and I could not for the life of me really just like explain like what had happened. All I knew was that I had a moment where I was no longer in that body, I was no longer in that place. And when I returned, I returned as somebody who made decisions. Now, did that mean that from mm. that point on I was like seamlessly making decisions all this stuff? No, but I had a different understanding. And so when you're talking to people and you're telling them that you have this quote-unquote revelation, you know, sometimes we get in the space where we feel like we're supposed to be making people understand where we are. Right. And that, again, going back to the obligation thing, so now I'm obligated to make you understand because once I start making decisions, I feel obligated to take you with me. That, mm-hmm. And that's the thing. And so we, I mean, we do that on several. Uh, now, it's a deeper level, I think, when you're talking about family. When you're talking about family, it, I think it's just a deeper level. But in general, people do that with friends. They feel obligated to take friends with them. They feel obligated mm-hmm. to take coworkers with them. They, you know, all, I mean, even even just businesses. You know, some people need to should have been ended and closed their businesses, but they feel obligated to take that business or that model with them. But when... I came down from that place and I understood that, not that they didn't understand, but I don't think they really comprehended what was about to happen. It was about mm-hmm. a year before I actually made changes and stuff that I really needed to make, and I, I, can, I, mean, I can go into that. But I'm just saying to you that the way that I knew I was in that space is I discovered I was a robot. But the way that I started to come out of that place is I realized that I had the power to make decisions. Now, you're out there listening tonight, and you're in a similar space as Mike was. And he, like he said, he's, I'm just going to take time, paraphrasing, seek God, see what he said, because I can't move until he speaks. And you're sitting, and you're sitting, and you're sitting, and day has gone by, and week has gone by and months have gone by and years have gone by and for some decade a decade has gone by and you're still just sitting there 
patiently waiting. And people will tell you, well, you got to look back to biblical times. Some of them waited 50, 60, hundreds of years. <laughs> now, sometimes you've got to step up and really make a decision. Because if you don't make that decision, you're going to still be sitting right there waiting. Oh, man. Okay. Man. All right. So now, whew, we're in a master class on tonight. So <laughs> let's do this game real quick. Let's get this game out of the way, and then we can <laughs> flow right back in the conversation, all right? So, <laughs> so I have five words. The first word is life, life. Back to life, back hey. to reality. Okay. <laughs> hey. Okay, okay. <laughs> so the second word is I'll say that my personal mission statement is to equip normal people for a super normal mission. Um, when I say normal people, I know most people think out of the frame of like what is mundane, what is regular, but the word normal actually comes from a word that means to set a standard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when I say that I'm equipping normal people for a super normal mission, I'm saying I'm equipping people who are standard setters to fulfill what is supernormal, what is supernatural, what be what exists beyond what we see and what we understand. Good, good, know. good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love definition and denoting words. That I love that. Okay. Now the next word is freedom. Knowing. Um, and I'm only yeah. saying that is that the greatest freedom that we can have is to remove ourselves from the, the faith, the place of asking to the place of knowing to me, that's the greatest freedom. Mm. And that's a freedom that sometimes we, we haven't taken advantage of is understanding yeah. how powerful that, that freedom is. Yeah. All right. The fourth yeah. word <laughs> And I always like to get strategists and, and and people that are that are out here killing the game. I like to get people's thoughts on this word because so many people have different thoughts on it and different definitions of it, different beliefs of it. Purpose. Purpose. I, I'll say this: that if you, if I ask you. What is the purpose of a chair? Mm-hmm. What would you tell? What would you say to me in response? To hold me when I sit down. Right. But have you ever needed to reach something and stood on a chair? True, true, true. Yeah, true. Right. So when I think of the word purpose. I think what it is best suited for. Mm. Because, yes, you can stand on a chair, but that's mm-hmm. not what it was made for. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us, we can often get caught in things that we're able to do and not things that we're purposed to do or made to do. 
And so when you say purpose, I say getting to the root of who I am to know why I am. And that's good right there. Now let's we're going to stay right there for a minute. We're going to stay right there for a minute because I believe a lot of people are in this space in life too because I, I know we keep staying in places and spaces, but a lot of people are right there where, as you said, they're, they're doing a lot of things that they weren't necessarily purpose for, although they can be used for a specific purpose in doing a thing. And you're yeah. talking about getting to the root of of who, you know, they are. How does one begin that process? Well, I'll say it this way. For me, it became it became evident for me when I realized first who I was not. Mm. And the reason why I the reason I was able to identify who I was not is because I realized that I was doing stuff that was wearing me out. Yes, Lord. And so when I'm doing stuff that's wearing me out, there's got to be a disconnect. There's, um, and I, I haven't really talked about it or released it yet, yet, but I've really been going through some, um, some changes uh, specifically in my business and my professional career uh, that will be seen uh, in the next couple of months. But one of the things that I'm going to be saying a lot to clients and just in my business is that if you lead with identity, everything else will follow. And I think that a lot of times people lead with gift, people lead with skill, people lead with ideas. You can have an idea and it'd be a great idea, but you can pursue that idea and it go nowhere because it wasn't attached to identity. I've had so many ideas pass my mind. I've had so many ideas pass my mind. I, I you know, I, I, um, yeah, I'm just I'm just that type of person. I can really I mean you have to think for me I work with people and their brands and so for me I'm right. constantly being paid to have ideas for people's brands, for people's businesses. And so I can ideate all day long. I can come up with brilliant stuff, but even in that, for me, I have to ask, who is this brand? You know, what what is their purpose? What what answer are they bringing because I believe that every single time we talk about purpose, we have to first ask what question am I answering or what problem am I solving? Mm -hmm. And so a chair was created, going back to that analogy, the the chair was created because there was nowhere to sit. And so whoever Mm -hmm. decided I'm going to make a chair said I'm solving the problem for people who need somewhere elevated to sit. So when we talk about that, the identity of the chair, the identity of the chair lies in the answer that it provides. And so when somebody, when I ask somebody what's their purpose, or when you ask somebody what's their purpose, what we're really asking them is what answer were you meant to bring into the earth? And so getting to identity actually, getting to identity actually means finding out what answer we're supposed to bring. And I believe wholeheartedly that we find out what answer we're supposed to bring by really just discovering what question we have. Because the way that I've been able to reorganize my business and restructure it is by literally saying, this is how I'm feeling. 
This is what I'm experiencing. And so now I can say I'm going to bring to my clients this because I was in this space. I can identify with this. And because I can identify with this, right, out of my identity, my ability to identify, out of my ability to identify, I can bring this answer to you. Well, I've heard a lot of people talk about purpose, and I've talked about purpose a lot, but I haven't heard anybody talk about it like that. That's okay. Okay, here we we gonna keep right on going because we we got a limited amount of time, and it, this could turn into beyond the time. Let's go. Here we go. Now I want to hear you break this word down too. <laughs> Transformation. Oh wow transformation. So I got to go back to this because I think you were on uh, when I was teaching about be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. And Mm -hmm. so the word transform comes from a word, a word that uh, a word that means to uh, renovate. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I taught in that is that the first, uh, the first step of renovation is demolition. And yep. so sometimes the breakdown that we experience is the first step in our remaking. So some people may be experiencing right now, right now, feeling like they're breaking down, feel like they're losing relationships, feel like, you know, they're lost in terms of their career or they're lost in terms of their relationships. And you feel broken in some sense of the word. I'm not saying emotionally broken, but in some sense of the word, it seems like what your life has been is now broken or is now like destroyed or, you know, being torn down to an extent. But what's really happening is, is you're in the opening stages of transformation. Because Mm -hmm. before a butterfly can fly, it must first break the cocoon. Right. What is that? What am I saying? The cocoon is something that they, that the butterfly, the caterpillar itself constructed. But when it's time (laughs) for them to come into the next phase of their life, they have to destroy what they created so they can fly. Just saying. Mm. Hold on, I need. I got. I'm. We still in the in the uh, conversation, but I need to write that down because what we created may be preventing us from flying. That's good, right there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, we kind of have been all over the place, um, you know, as it related to different areas of your life. I want to go back to where you were talking about you started ministry, you know, doing different aspects of ministry at the age of eight. Now, I want to know your idea of ministry growing up versus your (laughs) idea of ministry now. How has that evolved or how has that changed? Um, Okay. Um, I'll say it this way. So growing up, when I looked at ministry, I looked at it from a very, very cultural perspective. What I mean by that is when we talk about somebody who's in ministry, we talk about somebody who more than likely is a preacher, right? 
And then our mm-hmm. church, you know, it, you know, it was, it wasn't until like the two, early two thousands where they started calling like different departments of the church ministries. But in our church, we called it departments. We called departments departments. So right. the the word ministry was and minister even was delegated to people who preached. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget the pastor who I uh, grew up under, Bishop Byron Val Johnson. He uh, Preach the message from the scripture that talks about seeing, therefore, we have this ministry. He did his whole sermon talking about all of us are ministers of. And then at the end of his message, he said, I need all the ministers to come to the front. And then all the preachers started coming down. He said, didn't I just preach and say <laughs> that we all have this ministry? <laughs> he was like, all y'all come down. You know, and I'll never forget that. I, I had to have been like eight or nine at that point, and it, it's so vivid in my mind still. But I'm saying that to say I realized that ministry or being a minister even wasn't what I thought it was. I didn't. I thought it was for preachers. And after that, when he preached that message, I was like, wow, I just thought that was great. But then I got to a point where the word minister came up for me one day, and I looked it up. And I saw the word agent as a synonym for Mm -hmm. minister. And then I started realizing that, you know, countries have prime ministers, that people have ministry, Mm -hmm. uh, ministers of defense, that people people have ministers of this, that, and the other. Why am I saying that? Well, because now my understanding of being a minister is not necessarily somebody who preaches. My understanding now is someone who is an agent. Mm-hmm. Agent of what? What does an agent do? You have to go go to the airline. The airline agent what? It transacts for whatever that airline is. They perform transactions. And so now what I understand ministry to be, it is a transaction, a transaction of what? Of causing I'm a, I am a minister, let me just say personally, I believe that I'm a minister of, of the kingdom. I'm a, a minister of, of the kingdom of God, right? And so in mm-hmm. being a kingdom, a kingdom minister or a kingdom agent, what my job is now is to transact business between earth and heaven. Mm-hmm. And so that's not necessarily about going to church. That's not necessarily about having a home church. That's not necessarily about, you know, going to choir Bible study or going to preach like I used to and traveling and driving all over the city in the middle of the night, all over the country in the middle of the night and being tired and getting to church on Sunday morning, still trying to <laughs> – like, that's not what that is. That's not what that is. Yeah. It's, I'm literally called in whatever paradigm or whatever – I'm sorry, whatever uh, – uh, 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 Whatever, uh, oh, my goodness, whatever room I walk in, whatever industry I walk in, whatever mountain I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. participating in, if you Mm -hmm. will, I'm there to transact business between earth and heaven. And so everywhere that I go, everywhere, every space that I walk in, every room that I sit in, every table that I sit at, every person I talk to, I am constantly transacting, 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 transacting. I always tell people, you know, I asked uh, I asked this guy uh, who I've been, you know, kind of sharing with and, you know, who's been talking to me and listening to me for several years. I asked him, I said, why do you call me? I said, when you get in these places of change, when you get in these p- places where you need to make a shift, right, why do you call me? 
And he was like, well, because I don't really trust a lot of people. Da, da, da. I said, no, no, no. I said, I'm going to tell you why you call me. I said, you call me because every time you come to me, I don't care what you're talking about. I don't care what you're calling me about. You know that every single time you come to me, I'm going to give you God. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I never mention a Bible. I never mention a scripture. That's I never it. mention anything yep. spiritual. But when I tell you that I'm going to give you God, I'm going to give you because I believe that at the root of who I am is God. I believe that the root of who, who all of us is is God. And so I come when you come to me, you talk to me, I'm transacting again, transacting between heaven and earth. So when I'm transacting, when you come to me, I'm giving you God. What am I doing? I'm trying to return you to who you are. And so in giving you who you are, giving you who I am, I can return you to who you are, and I'm returning you to God. And so when I say I'm a minister, I'm somebody who can help people. I'm somebody who can help people identify who they are, identify who God is in them. That's what I believe in any room, in any format, in any platform. That's what a minister, that's what ministry is to me. Now, um, you brought up such a, a good point or a great point about ministry. Let's talk about the reform, and then we're going to talk about okay. your business, and then we'll go from there. But let's talk about the reform. Uh, can you give a general synopsis of what the reform is? Yes, sir. The reform is a faith community designed to help you become you again. Mm-hmm. And... um uh, John 10, uh, Jesus said, other sheep have I that are not of this fold. I'll never forget uh, many years ago. Uh, it was just about 10 years ago now. I was planning on starting a ministry, a church, as a matter of fact, uh, called Excellence Worship uh, Life Center. And um, I remember in the planning process that my mother kept telling me that I was called to the lost sheep. I, I'm your call to the lost sheep. You're called to the lost sheep. And I did not understand what my mother was talking about. And so I was just like, okay. And, you know, in my mind at that time, because of the paradigm that I existed in, I thought that lost sheep were backsliders. So mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I just really, you know, I really thought that, you know, okay, maybe she means people who, you know, used to go to church but don't go to church anymore. And I'll never forget that when the vision for the reform came to me, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're probably asking a little bit more about that, but um, when the vision of the reform came to me, I realized that, that scripture, I read that scripture many times, but I didn't read it the way that I read that time, that many sheep have I that are not of this fold. And what the reform really is, is a gathering of other sheep, people who may not ever go into mm-hmm. a traditional church, who may not have a traditional ministry, who may not even subscribe to the, to the concept that they, that they even teach in church. But I also understand that there's a God desire and a God connectivity. And so it's my job really to lead those sheep, uh, in you know in that flock if you will okay so now how did it you talk about the vision how did the vision come about how did you understand you know the structuring of it all and just be ready to run with it because many times you hear things like i got a vision to start this but it's not a traditional church it's a faith uh faith community and a lot of people start here. All people hear is that ain't God, right? That ain't God, <laughs> you know. So you know, <laughs> you know, you know. But I, am I am I wrong though? You know, people start. I, I, no. that's that new age stuff. I'm not dealing with that new age. Oh stuff. yes. Oh yeah. You know, so it's funny. 
Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I was going to say on that point, it was just funny to me because um, I remember when I, in uh, 2017, when I first announced about the reform and I, I'm the first statement that I made that it's not a church. And this uh, man who I used to go to church with commented on my Facebook post and said, well, what is it? And I'll never forget that. <laughs> and I told him, I said, and I, and I said to him, if you don't get it, it's not for you. That, and that's the key. <laughs> I get that. That's, that's definitely the key. Uh, so, even though with, with, with the reform, though, and one thing that I love about the reform is that when you come, and it, it's virtually, you feel welcome. You don't feel as if you have to put on any airs. You don't have to, you know, try to be something that you're not. You can just relax and be yourself. And the word that comes forth, like the word that comes forth, I'm a, I tell a lot of people. First of all, I tell people you're my pastor. Oh, okay. But okay, <laughs> I do, I do, I do. I really do. Seriously, I do because what goes on at the reform, and I tell them you have to come experience it for yourself so that you can see that I'm not putting on airs or anything. I want you to understand that this is what ministry is. When I look at ministry, when my the way my mind is made up about ministry, this is what ministry really is because it's not about form or fashion who's dressed the best you know it's not about any of those things it's not about you know the title and the positions and i'm fighting over who sits here and who see you're in my seat so now i can't even get in the service it's not about any of those things it is about you know people as you said returning to your your identity of who you are so I always tell people I want them to experience this thing for themselves. What would you say to those that are out there that right now they don't go to church, they don't want to hear anything about God right now because they had, you know, some experiences at church? What would you say to them about, you know, having uh, being able to attend an experience like this? I would say if you don't like God, then somebody lied to you. Mm-hmm. Um, because the God that I know, not from what I was told, not from not even what a scripture told me, but the God that I experienced, the God that changes me and ha- and is changing me, He is not the one that they presented to me when I was younger at all. Mm-hmm. And so, what I would first say to people is, I apologize. Not even I apologize. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm that somebody misrepresented God. I'm sorry that somebody lied to you about who God is. And secondly, I'd say to you, give yourself the opportunity to think again. Give yourself an opportunity to perceive again. Because one thing that I know is that we can argue scripture, we can argue doctrine, we can argue philosophies, But one thing we cannot argue is undeniable manifestation of change. Mm. And so what I would tell people is forget talking about God at this moment. Forget talking about spirituality at this moment. If you are somebody who knows that you need change in your life, if you're somebody who feels like you've come out of contact with who you are, you feel like you lost who you are. Just come to the reform on that strength. 
I'm not trying to convert you because, you know, you can chew the meats without the bones. There might be some stuff that you say, well, no, nah, I'm not, that ain't for me. And that's fine too. But what I do know is what's up on me and what comes out of my mouth and what comes out of my spirit has the power to change. And it's not because I'm so great, but because mm-hmm. at the root of who I am is God. And I like how you said that, how you stripped away all of the other stuff, because I know I encounter a lot of people, and I know it's people that are listening, because uh, people listen from all walks of life, listen to this show. But I've seen people defend how they were treated and mm-hmm. the things that they were told. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming because I'm not playing with God. And I'm like, well, yep. man, what you mean? You, you you understand what I'm saying? So I like how you yep. strip yep. back yep. all of those things and just said, listen, we all need have areas we need change in our lives. Just come and experience the change that you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can yeah. you talk a little it's, bit about what's going? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask you to talk a little bit about what's going on this month with the reform, and then whatever you were ready to say, go ahead and share that as well. All right. Um, so the reform, I've uh, reintroduced a format. Um, I don't plan on being the reform being this thing where you come to every week and I'm talking at you and all this stuff. Reform the name of it, I can really go into the etymology, but the word uh, re means again or to return to a state, form or reform. Reform means to change. And then forum is an open discussion. And so really what the reform is, is an open discussion about change and about, and about returning to who you are. And so, um, we are going to be presenting every month what we call topics to rethink. Uh, This month, the topic to rethink is integrity, how to be whole. And so right now in our uh, Believer Friendly Forum Facebook group, we're having a discussion about wholeness. Um, And then twice this month we'll have what's called BFF sessions, which are just the open forum conversations uh, in the Facebook group. And that's led by um, a forum leader. This month's forum leader is Jeremy Washington of uh, Dallas, Texas. And then on at the end of the month, August 22nd, we'll be engaging in uh, reform worship. Reform worship is basically uh, we'll have some kind of art worship presented, and then I'll present what I call metaphors. Uh, they're a teaching style, uh, uh, you know, conversation. And we'll just be going from there. So that's what we're doing, uh, really engaging these topics intently through conversation and through teaching. Okay. Now, um, who who is the reform for? The reform is for anyone who needs change. Anyone who wants to become them again, I don't, I can't, you know, even complicate that because, you know, in my mind, I want to say, I don't want, I don't want people coming from other people, from people's churches and all this stuff, but I've discovered that (laughs) some of the people are coming, coming Uh, to the reform. Some people are coming to the reform because they're going to church and not getting what they need. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's for anybody who wants change and wants to become them again. Awesome, and I did that. I did that again, even though you were already telling who it was for. 
because I have a lot of people that, that are like I used to be a literal person. So I'm like, nah, he literally hasn't said specifically my situation yet. So that's why I wanted you to explain it yeah. um, in that sense as well. So, and at yeah, the end, yeah. we're going to make sure you give all the contact information for the reform. Now, before yes, we sir. go, because we've actually talked ourselves off the air, um, I want to talk a little bit about your business. You were talking about the restructuring of your business. Can you explain to everybody what it is that you do? Um, currently, I am a, a brand developer and a brand manager. Uh, what mm-hmm. that means is I help brands not just – and I'll say that my, my definition of branding is very much different than many of my colleagues and cohorts. Um, I look at branding from a holistic perspective, so it's not just about logos and websites and, you know, graphics, but I approach branding from the standpoint of really, you know, as I was saying earlier, getting to identity and then building strategy around identity. And so um, what I do is I help people to build their businesses or rebuild their businesses. A lot of times it's just people who have been in business and they're like, I need change. I mean, the same thing that I do with the reform, but in business format is I need change. And mm-hmm. so I have a process that I do called storyboarding. And the storyboarding process revisits the past, the present, and also visits the future of, of the brand, of the business. And it allows people really to audit where they've been, where they are, and where they're trying to go so that we can build strategy around that. But the key to it is the whole time we're, we're at, I'm asking them to create answers and write answers out of who they are opposed to out of what people say they should be or should do. And so what I do is help people really get to the root of their identity, build strategy around it, and then present it. Mm, okay. Now – we're in. Uh, we're still kind of in uh, being quarantined in certain states. I know some states, you know, they've let up a lot, but there are still some of us that are quarantined, as it relates to business or even ministry as well. Uh, from the branding perspective, the way that you're presenting it, what would you say to individuals that now they have all this time in the world? I mean, they're they're not working or anything. They have all this time to work on either their brand or business, you know, all of those things. What would you say to them that are, that may feel as if there's an urge for them to do it, but they're still kind of like hesitant about it because they feel like, I don't know if I can do it? Yeah. Um, so I'd say in that regard, I think a lot of times we talk ourselves out of stuff because we don't yes. know because we feel like we don't have all the tools. We feel like we don't have. And one thing that I say is through the storyboarding process, it's so funny to watch people crack up and be like, oh, my God, I had more than I thought I had, right? I just think sometimes we misappropriate what we have, and when we misappropriate mm-hmm. what we have, then we're not able to really see it clearly. And I'm, and I'm telling you, there are a lot of people, like organizations and companies, who have talented people in their organizations and in their businesses, but they have them in the wrong position. And so they're like, well, why can't I yield out of this person what I know they're capable of? Well, because you have them misplaced. And so when you have somebody misplaced, going back to the conversation about purpose, when you have somebody doing something that they may be able to do but that they're, that they're not made for, then, you know, yeah, you mess it up. And so sometimes we have tools at hand. Sometimes we have resources at hand that we don't realize but because, because we're using them for something else. And so what I would say to you 
is give yourself an opportunity to re-envision what your business, what your, you know, even business concept is, and really take time to reevaluate what you have at hand because you probably have had everything that you needed at hand all along, but you just haven't been able to see it because you've been stuck in the I can't or what it's. And I just say get out of that and get somebody to help you. Hire somebody to help you. And if you can't hire somebody to help you, just mm-hmm. ask somebody, hey, what do you see, what do you see with my business? What, what's your experience been? Ask your customers and your clients, what have your, what have your experiences been with, your, with my business? Because the reason why I was even able to really draw up some of the things with my business, you know, in this reshaping and restructuring is I literally called clients, past clients and present clients and said, yo, what's your experience been? What's been most valuable to you? And that actually just changed a lot for me. Okay, okay. Now, before we go, before I get to the three questions, I did want to revisit what you brought up earlier because you said you wanted to share about that, um, where you were being the voice for so many or, or you were being, you know, offering solutions to so many, but you got to a stage or a state where you felt as if, you know, you had no purpose. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, how did yeah, you, yeah. I'm sorry. How did you transition or, or navigate through those times? Um, so I'm going to say I'm going through a time now. Uh, I, I didn't get to a place where I didn't feel like I had purpose uh, in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, previously, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, uh, but they all they all stem from the same place, and that was a place of, me constantly overextending myself. Um, and a lot of times we think that because we can do it, because we, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it this way. My mother used to, my mother taught us this principle growing up about lending people money. She said, if you can't afford to give it to them, don't let them borrow it. Mm-hmm. And that's a principle that really, you know, I didn't understand until now because I was a guy, I would give you money. I mean, just in a quite literal sense, I would give you money, and then I'm like, "How am I gonna pay my phone bill?" Wait a minute, <laughs> that was you know, me. you know. I mean, and I did it consistently, especially when I was in my yeah. pastoral role. I can't tell you, I lost. I mean, I lost a car, lost the house, you know, behind trying to pay for ministry stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm telling you, and so for for me, even in business. Um, I, you know, I would really be like spending all this time with, for clients and all this stuff. And, you know, again, people are paying me to do stuff and I get it. You know, I'm spending all this time working on client stuff, but then, you know, you go to my website and you're like, oh, so he did that for them, but look at his stuff. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't even have it together for him. He don't, if you ask him what his business is and what he does, he probably can't even tell you, look at this. And so I'm, I'm saying that to say, you know, I, you, you get to a place where you lose a sense of purpose, and it's easy to do lose a sense of purpose because you're giving what's for you to people. And uh, <laughs> my spiritual father taught, this, taught me this principle that we give out of our overflow. We mm-hmm. give out of our overflow. In other words, we don't give people what's for us. We make sure that we're right. Happy. And if we have what we need, then we're going to constantly overflow. Because as we continue to receive, guess what? We're not giving what we need for us to survive, for us to maintain. We're giving out of what we have extra to give. And I know a lot of people think that, like, you know, either that's selfish or even that's impossible. But it's not selfish 
to be whole before you try to make somebody else whole. As a matter of fact, it's a responsible thing to do. As a matter of fact, you, I, I bet you, if you've been giving out of that place where you're not whole, you can go back to the people who you gave to, and you'll find holes in them, in their businesses, that you weren't able to fill because you yourself weren't whole when you're mm. working with them. Well, so true, so true. I'm just sitting here thinking now, like, wow, okay. Man, okay. All right, so let's get to these three questions. I can think about all this off the air. All right, so (laughs) the first question um, in the final three is if, because you're giving us a lot over this, this hour, if everyone forgot everything that you said, what would be one thing that you would want everybody to remember from this conversation? My, I would tell people to be whole for you and give out of your overflow. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second question, on here we like to acknowledge what we call transforming transformers. And transforming transformers are those who have – committed their lives to or submitted their lives to their own transformation process and then became uh, important agents or important play important roles in the transformation of others. Mm-hmm. Mentors, pastors, things like that. In your personal life, uh, would you like to acknowledge any of the transforming transformers that have, that have helped you along your journey? I usually give space for about five. Yes. Um, I will first acknowledge my mother. Uh, My mother has been the prime example of someone who is a transformer through being transformed. Uh, The biggest thing is not because my my mother's been perfect, but the reason why I I can call her a transformer of transformers is because (laughs) she has been so willing to come back and go, you know what? I got that wrong. Mm. And for me, that is the most transformative thing you can do is to reflect on your behaviors, reflect on your actions and your words and say, you know what? I didn't get that right. And so if I hurt you or I harmed you in the process of that, I apologize. And now I'm going to show you how to do it differently. Um, Mm -hmm. Secondly, I would have to say Elliot Carlisle, um, mm-hmm. when I, when I left Indianapolis, I literally had really didn't know where I was going and God saw fit to really put him in my path. Uh, I, I can't even go into that story, but God saw fit to put him in my path and for him to provide a place of refuge, but also a place of uh, growth and a great place of understanding. It's so interesting. I really, I really wish I could get into that story because I got into a lot of arguments behind that because people didn't understand. Like, why are you going mm-hmm. there? I mean, it was so much going on and so many conversations, so many thoughts, and so many opinions and all that stuff, and I really don't care. Uh, that's the interesting thing about me is that I really don't care. But where it became a conflict is because I was trying to make people understand. Um, and mm. I'm just going to say I, I appreciate him uh, for not just being that place of refuge, but also out of his example, not necessarily anything that he said to me. I mean, because he had a lot to say. You've had him on the show. You know you, you know who he is. So, you know, he got a lot to say. Definitely. But not, Definitely. not based on what he said, 
but on his demonstration of being somebody who mm-hmm. lives in, lives by truth, um, he has been transformative in that way. Um, thirdly, uh, another person I would say is just like a big contributor, especially in the last couple of years, is uh, my sister, my friend, my coach. I don't know what else, what else uh, but Shauna Van Bogart. Uh, Shauna mm-hmm. has been, oh my God, she, I, 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 I just got to say it like she said it. So I'll never forget that she had asked me a question about, about why I'm not doing certain things in my business. And I, you know, I started going through this list of, you know, well, I, you know, I don't have enough experience in this. And, and she looked at me and she said, you know, that bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, and you I can't people. tell you the laughter I laughed. I mean, we, she and I had, like, hysterical laughter for probably five minutes after that because it was. And if I could say anything is she's a person who has held me accountable to returning to my strength and my power and to the, the knowingness of who I am. And so I would have to say that she, by far, is a transformer. Um, I would also have to say that another transformer in my life is Gayla Singleton. Uh, Gayla Singleton is actually Ellie's best friend. And I'm only saying that because I can go to a whole bunch, but I'm saying that specifically because Gayla has been a representation to me of truth, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. She does. She's no holds barred. She's not going to, you know, sugarcoat anything even about herself. If she's messed up, she's going to tell you that she's messed up. If she ain't got it together, she's going to tell you she ain't got it together. And with her, it just is what it is. And one of the biggest things with me talking so strongly and heavily about identity, you know, her example and her level of accountability to me just remaining in a place of truth, regardless of how uncomfortable, that has been paramount for me in really understanding and really being able to even teach what I'm teaching on the reform, just teach identity from that space because, you know, I taught, you know, a whole lesson on truth. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah. I can only do that because of people like her, but specifically like uh, her in my life. So she's definitely a transformer. And then finally, I have to say my spiritual father, uh, prophet, apostle, yes, Alvin Smith. Yes. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because, he is Alvin E. Smith. And that's all I can say. He is Alvin E. Smith. I'll never forget the first time I met him. I, uh, Elliot took me to his house. I walked in the door. I shook his hand and sat down on his couch. He looked at me and said, I didn't catch your name. And I said, Mike. He said, Mike. Leaned back in the chair, looked up in the sky. And when I tell you everything that was going on in my life at that time, he said to me, he mentioned to me, you know, it was mind-blowing in and of itself, but it wasn't his insight and it wasn't his, you know, prophetic gift, if you will, that, that tripped me out. It was that he knew what the problem was, but he's always coming with the answers. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I can have the conversation about purpose and what I believe purpose is, is because I have a prime example of someone who will unashamedly identify and address problems, but also know how to give you the solution 
even when he doesn't even know what he's talking about because he says it all the time, I don't even know what I'm talking about. So for <laughs> me, he is number five. He's the ultimate, in my opinion, transformer of transformers. <laughs> awesome, awesome. We honor each and every one that you honored on tonight. Now, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to leave this space for you to give everybody your social media handles. And like I said, we'll put them in the description as well. Uh, your website, <laughs> uh, how they can even uh, learn more about the reform and uh, if they desire, you know, attend the teachings and all of uh, those things and attend everything that's going on or the metaphors. And I also want you to leave one last word with our listening audience. Yes, sir. Um, uh, I won't give my personal uh, social media handle because it's way too complicated to share, but you can find the reform at the underscore reform, R-E-F-O-R-U-M, um, on Instagram, um, on Facebook as well. You can find it uh, as the reform. We're, we're doing all of our uh, – uh, programming and teachings and metaphors, all that is happening in a group on Facebook called Believer Friendly Forum. Believer Friendly Forum. Um, you can, in terms of my business, you can visit your supernormal. That's Y O U R S U P E R N O R M A L. YourSupernormal.com, um, and that's how you can find me. Um, in terms of what I want to leave. With the audience, uh, I, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Pettyjohn, you said that we've been all over the place, but I actually, uh, in my opinion and in my uh, perspective, we've been in one place uh, the entire mm -hmm. time, uh, many different iterations of it, many different versions of it. But at the end of the day, what we've really been talking about is you coming to a place of identity, coming away from the programming, coming a play, uh, coming away from autopilot, coming away from uh, the robotic behavior and really returning to who you are and living life out of that space and producing um, in your business, in your uh, family, in your relationships, in your uh, ministry, even like producing out of identity. And so if I could leave anything with the people, I would simply say to you all that, that you should commit yourself, commit yourself to knowing who you are and knowing who you are in depth because I don't believe that anybody should be able to tell you anything about yourself. That's another, I think that's a gala statement. Uh, nobody should be able to tell you anything about yourself that you don't already know. That's not that anybody can't mm -hmm. tell you anything, but I'm saying is if, if somebody brings the truth to you, you're able to connect it to the truth that you already have. And I'm saying all that to get to this point to say this, that we learn defense mechanisms in our lives. We learn lots of mechanisms. But remember, the root of the word mechanism is machine. And so if you're somebody who is defensive, <laughs> if you're somebody who's stuck in a pattern, know that you become a machine, that you become a robot. And if you identify that with yourself, it's not a bad thing that you, you realize that. As a matter of fact, it's the opportunity now for you to break the cocoon, the cocoon that you built and for you to fly. Awesome. 
Wow, what a night, guys. Um, like I said, it, it has felt like a master class uh, to me, and very few of our shows feel like master classes. I've said that about a couple of other ones, I believe, but tonight really felt like a master class. But I want to get this last question out before we go to uh, in every conversation with this last question, and that question is, who is God personally to you? I am. God is I am to me. When uh, Moses asked God, who do I tell them sent me? He said, tell them I share, I yeah, I share, or I am what I am. I will be what I will be. Mm-hmm. And so yep. I teach adamantly and repeatedly that at the root of who we are is God. When God made man, he made him in his image and in his likeness. I think that the deceiver, whoever he, she, or it may be, the deceiver has caused us to believe that we no longer have that identity. But really, when I answer the question, who is God, the answer to that is I am. That I am. Awesome. And the reason why I asked that question is that I believe that, you know, we all have had personal, intimate encounters with God, which has Mm -hmm. given us revelation and a greater understanding of who he is. But I believe when we link with each other, when we have conversations with each other, that we are being introduced to realms and dimensions of the creator that we haven't experienced yet. So it begins to unlock various things in our lives. So I always like to end the conversation with that very question. Listen, Mike, thank you for tonight. Definitely appreciate you coming on. Listening audience, I encourage you, connect with him. Uh, If you're out there and you need the services that he provides, link up with the services, check out the reform. I'm going to put the links also in the show description so you can do that. Make sure you connect with me on all social media platforms just by typing in my name, Clifton Pettyjohn. Uh, visit the website to find out about our upcoming show. Remember, season two ends on the 31st. We have a great lineup this month. So visit www.cliftonpettyjohn.com. There you're going to get all the information you need about upcoming guests. And I'm going to be putting uh, some, I guess, little things out about season three guys i'm excited about season three not going into details yet because i want to make sure we finish strong with season two but season three is going to be crazy so make sure you're tuning in this month and you're preparing for season three and as i always say guys create a great day walk with purpose and by all means execute your vision peace